0: The kind of life that Jesus lived. And so we need to know how to do that. In order to accomplish this, we learned last week that God gives every one of us as believers, all His people, equal acceptance before God and also equal standing before God. He also gives us divine power so that we can live a life in godliness. God also gives us many great and gracious promises. Reminding us that we can live in the nature of God. What an incredible promise that is. And so today, we begin looking at what kinds of things we're going to need in order to build our lives on Christ. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, that's on page 1079 in the Bibles in front of you. I'd like to share with you again this passage of Scripture that that gives us these things that we're going to need to build our lives on Christ. Verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 says this. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those, like you and I, who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. Add to your virtue, knowledge. Add to your knowledge, self-control. Add to your self-control, perseverance. Add to your perseverance, godliness. Add to your godliness, brotherly kindness. And add to your brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and they abound in you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are beginning in verse 5, Peter gives us eight components that we're going to need in order to build this life on Christ. And it's these eight components that we must use and put together if our lives are going to be fulfilling the purposes of God as an individual, and as a church. So we need to know not only what they are, but we need to know how to put them together properly. The foundation is the very first one. The foundation that I want to speak to you about today is faith. That is the foundation. Faith is the foundation that we build our relationship with God upon. It is the underpinning that makes all these other responsibilities possible. Without faith, friend, you can't go no further with God. Without faith, you cannot fulfill the purposes of God for your life. Without faith, you will flounder, flounder about, trying to build a spiritual life while living fleshly. Jesus defines this foundation for us, this foundation of faith, In John chapter 6 and verse 33, he says, I am the bread of God. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then his apostles said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Listen to this part. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. All, say all. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he's given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. So the first component you need to build your life on Christ is to be saved on God's terms. Now the world will tell you all manner of ways that you can get saved. You can believe in Allah and Muhammad and Buddhism and all these things that you can believe. But the Word of God is true. Unless you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ, friend, you'll never understand how to build your life on Christ. The foundation of faith in Christ. It comes with three basic features. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. It comes with God's plan. It comes with God's promise. And it comes with God's proof. Let me talk to you about that first one. God has a plan for your salvation. You see, every person needs to be saved. There's never been a person born on the face of this planet who does not need to be saved so that they can go to heaven. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl... Needs to be saved. Why? Because every one of us are sinners. We're sinners. And at some point, we have to come to this place where we admit, God, I'm lost without you. God, I am not right with you. I can't be righteous completely. And before we can do that, before we can be saved through faith in Christ, we have to understand that without Him, you're lost. You have to come to the place where you are absolutely assured that without God, you've got no hope. Now, there in John 6, 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me i will by no means cast out. So I asked this question, Jesus, does that mean we have a choice in the matter? Whether we can be saved or not? Verse 44 said, No one can come unless the Father who sent me draws it, and I'll raise him up on the last day. But I know in my Bible that Acts 2.21, Romans 10.13, and Joel 2.32 says this, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I said, How can I reconcile that? I mean, are we saved by the sovereign plan of God? Or are we saved... By placing our faith in Jesus. My own free will. Which one is it? The answer is yes. Both. Amen? It's both. It is God's sovereign plan that every man, woman, and child be saved. There is no other way but through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ there's no other way to heaven. That's His plan. But listen carefully, y'all we must adhere to his plan so he's got a plan but we got to adhere to it that is the plan of God and that is your choice to accept the plan of God today but God also gives us a promise a promise of salvation there in John 639 Jesus said this this is the will of my father this is what this is what my daddy God desires this is what the purpose of of Almighty God is the one that sent me that of all He has given me I should lose nothing. I should lose nothing but raise it up the last day. Friend, do you understand that once you're found you can't be lost? Do you understand that once you're truly saved you can never be unsaved? Do you understand that once you're saved, you're always saved? Do you comprehend that when you come to Christ, you're secure in Christ? See, there's some believe that you can be saved today and lost tomorrow. By saying that, they say, well, if I can be lost tomorrow, then there must have been something I could have done to get saved today. But there's not a thing you can do to get saved on your own. Jesus has done all that needs to be done for us to be saved. And he says that if we are truly his, he will never lose us. If you're truly his, he'll never lose you. No one can ever pluck you out of his hand. Now, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I've lost a lot of things in my lifetime. Have you? We lose things. But listen up. Jesus don't lose things. Jesus never loses things. Think about this. When we have our property surveyed, the surveyor comes out and he plots uh, the, the size of the plot. And what does he do? He drives down stakes to determine the boundaries of the property. Well... There are some things, some stakes that we need to drive down in our life to determine that we are God's property. What stakes do we need to drive down to assure us that we are the property of Jesus? First and foremost, we confess that Jesus is Lord. If you've been a Christian for any time at all, you've probably had doubts about your salvation. You probably had doubts about whether you're saved or not. And we have those doubts for all kinds of reasons. Maybe you have sin in your life that you're not turning away from. Perhaps you're not growing in your faith like you should and you know it. Maybe you struggle believing the Bible because if you're honest, man, you're just not spending enough time in it. You don't know what it says. But whatever the reason. Whatever the reason doubts into your mind, friend, you must drive down the stake of confession. Confession. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. And I want to share this with you today. In Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, Paul writes to the church and he says... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is over all, that same one is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the stake you need to drive down. The stake of confession that Jesus is your Lord. He is the boss. He is the one who rules your life now. And you believe that God has raised him from the dead. That is the confession. Now here's another stake for you. Another stake is this. Another stake that you need to drive down. That you're God's property is the fact that you're confirmed by the Holy Spirit of God. Confirmed by the Holy Spirit of God. Romans 8, 16, the Bible says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, when you're a true believer, the Holy Spirit of God will testify to your spirit. The Holy Spirit of God will speak to you at your innermost level About the fact that you're a child of God. It's a stake that he drives down. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Holy Spirit of God drives down this stake in your life. Telling you that you belong to God. You are God's property. So not only is it the stake of confession that Jesus is Lord, but it's also the confirmation that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and is delegating your life and leading you accordingly. You know, I read about a little boy. A little boy who began doubting that he was saved. And his preacher told him in Romans ten thirteen that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, so here's what the little boy did. Little boy took a two-by-four just like that. And here's what he wrote on it. He wrote Romans 10, 13 on that stake. And he went out behind the barn and he drove down that stake deep out there behind the barn. And then the next time that he doubted that he was saved, what did he do? He went out behind that barn and he pulled up that stake and he looked at what he had written on that piece of wood. And it said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved And he pointed that stake back down to the ground and he drove it back down there and he said, devil, listen here. This is the promise of God and I am absolutely convinced that it is true. There is no doubt. I am staking my life upon this. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Certainly confessing that Jesus is Lord is a stake. You need to drive down in your life To convince you you're God's property. There's the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Reminding you at your innermost level. Driving down. Reminding you on a daily basis. That you belong to God. You are the property of God. But there's another stake that we need to drive down. And that is we certify. That is we declare as true our faith through baptism. That's what we do. Three weeks ago. Three of our young people and one of our adults publicly certified. They publicly declared that they were God's property. They publicly declared their salvation to be true by following the Lord's example of believers' baptism. You see, then what's so cool about baptism is after you profess by faith that Jesus is Lord after you receive that confirmation by the Holy Spirit of God that you are His property, what you do is you go and you obediently apply yourself to believer's baptism so that you can look back in the future. You can look back and say, there was the day when I publicly confessed, when I drove down that stake in my life, that Jesus is Lord and I am the property of God you're publicly declaring in baptism what has transpired in your life. So, friend, for you to overcome those doubts, those nagging doubts, those doubts about if you're saved or not, confess the lordship of Jesus in your life. Listen to the confirmation of the Spirit of God Himself, but also certify your faith through baptism. Friend, if you haven't done that in your life, there's no reason to be ashamed but I want you to be able to look back in the difficulty future of your life, to look back and say, I certify, I declared as true on that day, obediently following the Lord's leadership in baptism. So we've examined the plan of God's salvation. We've also seen God's promise of assurance of salvation. Now we move forward to the proof to the proof of salvation. You see, when you have eternal life, there will be evidence of that eternal life. For instance, I have physical life. I'm walking up here before you right now. My heart is beating. I am breathing. I'm talking. I ate a great breakfast. Thanks, Miss Amy. I mean, I ate it. And I ate more than my share. Amen. I have evidence that I am living physically. That's evidence. And I've been doing it for 56 years now. I have evidence of my life. Some of you have lived 70 years. And the evidence that you have that you lived 70 years is your hair's falling out. Or maybe you have a standing weekly appointment with a doctor. You have evidence that you've been on this earth for 70 years. At the end of the day, some of you will put your teeth into a cup. Amen? That's evidence, friend. Evidence that you've been here around 80 years. Now, some of you wish you could climb a flight of stairs, but there's no way you can do that. And that is evidence that maybe you've been here 90-plus years. But, listen, you have life. There is evidence, there is proof of that life. You're still breathing, you're still eating, you're still going, you're still complaining, right? Amen, you're still complaining, you're still rejoicing, you're still doing all these things that provide evidence of life. Whenever there's life, there's evidence. And the same is true of eternal life. In fact, I'd like to share with you very quickly... Six evidences, six proofs that you have, or maybe you don't have, eternal life. Number one, one evidence is is that there is a new awareness of right and wrong. You know better. John 16, 8, the Bible says when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, when you're saved, you've got this new understanding of right and wrong. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. For instance, if you walked into a bar, the Holy Spirit would likely say to you, hey, you don't belong in this place, right? Excuse me? If you walked into a bar, the Holy Spirit would say to you, you don't belong in this place, right?" right? Praise God for that. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, takes over in our lives, He's going to begin to point out sin in your life. He's also going to begin to point out righteousness that should be in your life. And furthermore, he's also going to point out judgment that will come from God if you don't obey his word. We have a new awareness of right and wrong. But number two, another evidence of proof of eternal life is that you have a hunger for the word of God. Hebrews 5.14, the Bible tells us that solid food belongs to those who are mature because of the practice they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Where do they get that knowledge to discern good and evil? They get it from the Word of God. See, when you get saved, when you come to Christ, when you allow the Holy Spirit to uh, control your life, your palate changes, your tastes change, you have a new appetite. Friend, can I tell you, if you can go 10, 15, or 20-some-odd years without a desire to read the Word of God, you need to have serious doubts about your reservation in heaven. Y'all hear me? If you can go that long without reading His Word, you ought to have serious doubts about whether heaven is your home. If you have no concern to grow in your understanding of God's word, if you have no desire to grow your faith, you lack evidence of eternal life. Number three, another evidence, another proof of eternal life is the desire for a changed life. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen, Paul tells that church, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things, they've passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, when you come to Christ, you have this incredible desire to be different. To be different. You may want to start all over again from scratch, but you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. That doesn't mean you're going to do it right every time because you're not. But it does mean, friend, that you're going to have a desire for a changed life. Number four. If you have eternal life, one proof is is that you're going to see an increase in testing in your life. The Bible says that all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Friend, when you really start taking a stand for Christ in the world we live in, when you really dig in your heels and start serving God, when you really start taking a stand for Jesus, I got news for you. You're going to be harassed. You're going to be troubled. You're going to be persecuted. You might even be mistreated. And if nothing is bothering you in your Christian walk, then maybe... It's because you're not bothering the devil. And he just lets you go on your merry way. But when you live a sold out life for God, man, the enemy of God gets all riled up. Can you hear me? He gets all riled up. And he starts launching his attacks against you. So as James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Because, friend, when testing comes because of Jesus, when testing comes because of Jesus, you can count it as evidence of eternal life. Number five, another evidence another proof of eternal life is that you're going to have a love for other Christians. 1 John 4, 20, John wrote, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he hasn't seen? Have you ever had somebody ask you if you love someone, and in all honesty, you just kind of reply, well, yeah, I love him, but I just can't trust him. Well, that's good news for you, because John didn't say that you have to trust everybody. In fact, he implies that if somebody stabs you in the back, you won't be able to trust them. But you do have to love them. See, love, true love, God's kind of love is not based upon a person's worth. God's kind of love is not based upon a person's value. Godly love is a choice to love in spite of those things. I mean, think about it. Man, if that were the case, if, if I had to be worth it, if I had to have value in and of myself, man, Jesus would have never loved me. But he does, and I know it. Love for fellow believers is an evidence of eternal life. But there's one last one, and that is this. An evidence that you have eternal life is that you will have a desire to tell other people about Jesus. Psalm 107 verse 2 says it well. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Friend, if you know Jesus, and you know what Jesus has done for you, if you know you're going to heaven because of him, you're going to want to tell somebody. When the Gators win, I'm going to tell somebody. Well, what Jesus did for me and what the Gators have done for me are diametrically different. So am I going to tell somebody or not? And listen, friend. you got to tell somebody, and that includes children. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that includes children. So as we prepare to kick off this year's CIA children's ministry, I want to ask you a question. Do you have evidence of salvation in your life that gives you a desire to tell children about Jesus? Or do you lack that evidence? As we worship indecision today, would you consider being obedient to serve children this year? To tell them about Jesus. There's many ways that we provide for you to be able to do that. But for you personally, you were born a sinner. You didn't have to do anything to deserve that title. You're born that way. And Christ died for you and for the sins and for the fact that you are a sinner. But Jesus wants to forgive you and all your sins, past, present, and future. Jesus wants to come into your life He wants you to live for him. And he wants to save you. And when he does, he wants to be your best friend all of your life. That's pretty personal, isn't it? So is there somebody here today who'd like to grasp hold of God's plan to be saved? Is there somebody that wants to grab hold of God's promise that you can be assured that you're saved once and for always? Would you like to lay hold of that proof of God as you begin revealing evidence in your life that you have been saved? So we have this last week For people to sign up to tell children about Jesus. We've got a good number and there are some people on here that I know are going to do it that haven't signed up. But there's something about coming up before Jesus and signing your name on the dotted line, so to speak. It's a commitment. It reveals your desire, but it also reveals your commitment to follow through on what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today. So if during this decision time, God is leading you to be a part of what this church is doing to tell kids about Jesus, man, don't you hesitate. Don't you hesitate. You just be obedient. Just be faithful. God will do the rest. Amen. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for the privilege of being able to come alongside you in ministry Father we are fully aware that you don't need us you can do